Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, rejoining the podcast after a few weeks off, and with me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, it is quite okay that you took all that time off, because if you didn't come back and you hadn't run 342, (laughs) there would be a problem. The title, I'm going to name the title of this podcast, Ben Weisel Ran 342. And that's just going to, I'm going to have everyone believe that we just talk about your 342 uh, for the entire podcast for however long this ends up being. Do you just want to take a moment and talk about like how your life has dramatically changed now that you've run 342? I mean, is it like the money, the fame, like the never ending fans? Like, tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm getting all these random numbers, uh, ca- numbers calling me. I've had to <laughs> uh, sign a, a few agents up with Belmont to make sure that they could talk to. Yeah, it's it's, it's been a flurry. Uh, but no, it, it it was such a weight or monkey off my back to finally like get that regional qualifying time because I, I was like two seconds away from it as a freshman and never was never able to quite get over that hump and and to finally do it this year. Um, I, I've been telling people, I don't think there was many people more surprised than I was to look up at the scoreboard and see 342. I was like, oh, they stopped the clock early. And then the like numbers went up next to my name and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, this is me. Um, so yeah, it was a spectacular weekend. Great, great meet put on at Ole Miss. Can't say enough about what coach Van Hoy and the, the rest of the coaches did there. It, it was spectacular distance beat. I just hope that you don't get so big that you forget about me. You know? <laughs> Absolutely not. Never. That's that's my biggest concern. I, it's very selfish, really, in the end of this. Um, but congratulations, a big performance. Um, we now expect you to go uh, win the Olympics, uh, as right. I'm sure you, you realize. But um, congratulations. Also, a great excuse for everyone to go leave a congratulatory review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts and sign up on Spotify. I mean, listen – if you haven't done it yet, I mean, now's the time, right? I mean, you got to congratulate him. Not for me, but for Ben. Just something to consider. Just throwing it I, I would, I would very much appreciate that. Um, and, yeah, and I'm just trying to take my TSR hat to, to bigger and bigger meets. You know what I mean? Just just spread the gospel even further. Yeah. Well, we got we to gotta be careful of that sponsorship thing now. We got to you know, delicately balance that. So <laughs> yeah, don't exactly. worry. Don't worry. He paid for it. He paid for it. You have to Venmo me a dollar now. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, Garrett, we have uh, plenty of things to talk about. It was an action-packed weekend. Plenty of 1500s that were going on that were not my own race um, that we'll have to get to. Um, So why don't we just start with uh, at Alabama instead of Ole Miss. We'll hit up Iliad Kipsang in his 336 flat. On one hand, this is maybe one of the least surprising results of the weekend. On the other hand, to win by over 10 seconds to run that close to a collegiate record time. I mean, it really solidifies Kip saying as if it's not Hawker, then it's probably going to be him. It was absurd because you, you expect him. It's like, all right, three thirty eight, three Yeah, sure. That makes sense. But to be like, Oh, this guy was maybe like a, half or a quarter stride away from being a 335 guy is really scary. At the same time, there's a part of me, I'm like, if anyone not named Hawker or Tier was going to run that fast, 
yeah. it was going to be Kip saying the guy is a very aggressive front runner. He likes to go out hard. He he's run three fifty one on the DMR split, and he's been trending in in this progress for the past few weeks. Right, we've seen him increasingly get better from going from that three fifty nine to the three fifty seven to the three fifty five. Like it, it, the progress has been there, and now he's kind of building off of that. And if you kind of take a look at the a rough seventeen second conversion. This is what a three fifty three converted. So you the the ongoing trend of like three fifty nine, then cut off two seconds, then cut off two seconds, then cut off two seconds. It, it kind of well, like kind of makes sense. And given that the field went out or the Pacers went out in fifty four seconds, <laughs> which is absurd, by the way. Um, that's like what slow eight hundred like top tier eight hundred races go out in. Um, it's it's absurd. So kudos to him. But I'm also part of me is like. If anyone was going to do it, it was going to be him. Honestly, that them going out that fast makes it even more impressive because yeah. in a more evenly paced race, like the one we saw at Ole Miss when we saw a 336 run was paced much more evenly, 58 seconds through four, 57, 58 through 400. And they just basically cruised at that until the last 300 when they got let go. Um, and, and so put Kip saying in that kind of situation, and I mean, he, he's probably running at least 335. Um, and so I think that that is something that we should note because, it, frankly, I think it made it that race much more difficult. Well, not only that, but then the dude comes back the next day and runs 147 for 800 meters, which is crazy because I think you and I both viewed Kip Sang as a 5K or like a 5K, 3K mile kind of guy, right? We both expected him to be a longer distance stamina guy who steps up in distance from the mile so then to see him go down in distance and run 147 which is no joke of a time after completely soloing a 336 in what seems to be a really difficult way to do it mm-hmm. to then come back and run 147 that's really impressive if he can learn how to channel that middle distance speed that he's now developed specifically the 800 meters into a tactical championship race which I think he might actually need in these weird regional rounds that get very tactical, that get very oddly paced. I'm not saying that he's he's not going to get out of those rounds, but if it comes down to him and there's a pack of four or five other guys around him, he's going to need that speed and he's going to need to understand how to channel that speed. I'm not really worried about him, but I do think it's something to consider and keep in mind as we move forward, especially if he also goes after the 5K. Yeah, I, I mean, we've seen guys uh, maybe not quite at his caliber, but pretty good uh, not make regionals. I think I remember uh, Cade Bethman maybe not making it out, so, someone who had run 148 and 340 not making it out of the rounds. I, I mean, you, you're completely right, and, and we should highlight that 147. That's the number five time in the NCAA right now. Yeah. I, I mean, we've seen guys run uh, faster than that indoors, but quite frankly, we haven't seen a whole lot of super fast times this outdoor season. And for him to just blow that time right out of the gates, I, I think that really says something about where he is right now and, and possibly where he could be in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And just to note, I think even Bethman that season ran 147, which is even crazier. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, he's, and he's an absurd talent. He'll, he started to rally back. I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing him later in the postseason as he regains fitness. But yeah, I mean, Kip Sang is at another level. I think he can realistically challenge Hawker or Nagus, um, but also at the same time, like let's 
you know, let, let's see what happens. There's a long time until the national championships. Plenty of things can happen, um, but we'll, we'll just see. So, Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we head on to uh, the Joe Walker Invitational where we saw so many fast times. We we I think it was eight guys ran under 340 this weekend at Ole Miss. Um, the, the meet was postponed, or the 1500 was postponed from Friday night to Saturday night. A lot of these guys were planning on doubling and running the 15 and the eight they ended up scratching out of the eight and the time change did not seem to affect anybody Walid Suleiman running 336 uh Romo Mario Garcia Romo running 337 Casey Comer 337 I, I mean I, I could keep reading off names but those three in particular uh Comer just c- coming just off the Olympic trial qualifying mark but those three times really I think stand out among the rest yeah, I mean, it's super impressive. Um, there's a part of me that also looks at these results and I'm like, yeah. That, yeah, I mean, we've seen Suleiman do this before. We've seen Suleiman step into the regular season. He runs a ridiculously fast time. And then we just have to wait for him to get to the postseason to see what happens. Now, this past indoor season, he peaked perfectly and ran gritty races and you know, understood that the prelims are not to be messed around with and he can't just cruise through them. Um, and, and he came away with a third place finish. He came away with a bronze medal. So it, it very well deserved. Um, at the same time, like the 1500s insane this year. Yeah. Like the fact that Co- Cooper Tier could still run it. Like Sam Tanner could get out of the prelims. Charlie Hunter, we don't know if he's going to run the 15. Um, you know, got Yarn Goose. Like the 1500s still like absurdly stacked and they're still – ways for it to get even more competitive. Like again, Kip Sang just ran as fast as he did. So for as great as Suleiman's time is, and as super as impressive as it is, there is still a tactical element and a like trying trying to see if he can consistently translate that to the national stage. This past indoor season was great, but we'll see what happens. Garcia Romo, the 337, I think that probably means he's going to pursue the 1500. I think he has to now. Yeah. I thought the 5K would have been maybe ideal for him. Maybe it still might be. Um, I mean, he, he could technically do both, maybe. Like, it, it's 15 5 it's is not tough. impossible. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's doable. Um, so, I, well, I, I don't know. I, I One thing I will say about uh, the race is, while it was, everybody knew what the pacing was going to be. Um, they were supposed to come through 1,200 at 254. Um, it was impressive to see how Suleiman positioned himself. And kind of contrast that how Romo did because Romo kind of got stuck. And I I think if Romo had run the race like Suleiman had, he would have won. It was Suleiman tagged right behind the Pacers and just never let go of that position once the Pacers left off. Whereas Romo was kind of weaving through people in the last 250 and he was gaining on everybody, but he just didn't have enough room. He had left himself too much work to do. So I, I agree agree with you that Suleiman, we, we would like to see some of that postseason success um, come a little bit, or at least have more of a history of it. But when Romo uh, kind of messes up a little bit, we, we are a little bit more quick to forgive that. And I think with what Suleiman did is he ran the perfect tactical race for what, what the given race was this weekend. Yeah, and that's a great point. And that, that's a very, very fair point. And historically, you know, Romo, at least over the past few races that we've seen, like 
SEC championships or the DMR or like the 3K. Like, yeah, he got out kicked by Cooper Tier, but like he has great finishing speed. Great, great finishing speed. It's only it's so underrated because we've just seen the Oregon guys dominate. <laughs> and and you're right. I mean, in a better positioning race, where he usually does position himself pretty yeah. well. Um, you know, Garcia Roma's a, a bigger threat there. And uh, it just just a shout out Casey Comer, PA guy, uh, a guy who kicked my butt consistently in high school. Um, just nice to know that like getting my ass kicked like as consistently as I did from him, it now in retrospect seems like ah, oh, perfect. This is appropriate now because he's as fast as he is. Uh, now, Greg, you can say that about a lot of guys, but shout out Comer. So yeah, we we saw uh, some other quick times: Casey Neville Bard, um, Robert Brandt, um, Adams uh, from Furman, uh, Sean Dolan of Villanova, and Jack Anstey of Illinois State. We're all three thirty-eight. Uh, Anstey was three thirty-nine. Um, I honestly, the the person that I was most impressed by was Brandt to yep. run three thirty-eight as a ten. Like I, when I saw him in the first heat, I was like, this seems a little aggressive. Like I, I was like, this. I, I know he's running well, but this seems a little aggressive. And I was standing next to some Georgetown guys while I was watching the race. And I mean, they they were completely confident in him. They had no doubt. And he moved so well through the field in the last like 150. And, and, I mean, he looked like a, a, like an 800, 1500 guy the way he was closing. It was absolutely incredible to see him run that good of a time and for him to be able to finish with all these stud middle distance stars. And you're right. I mean, you see him run 338 and you're like, Oh, he's probably like a 341, maybe a 340 guy on a good day. Mm-hmm. You're right. And to see him have finishing speed with an elite crew of milers, it's like, it, I mean, he's, it, it's such a shame that he has that speed and it's probably not going to be needed <laughs> on the championship stage. Like, it's probably going to be Kip Rop and Kip 2 and Kurgot or whoever in Mance going to be just grinding out the 10K and hitting the gas in a, a kick while I'm sure it could still be useful, is just not going to be quite as relevant as just like, do you have the raw fitness and stamina to stick with the rest of the field? And that was kind of my thought process. Um, I'm just like, this is such a great race, incredible display a display of speed. You know, he's going to definitely move up in our rankings, but it's largely not going to matter because I just don't think the 10K is going to play out that way. Yeah, when I was reading your first thoughts article and I got to that point and I was like, Gosh, that's sad, but that's that's absolutely right. I was like, that is like the, one of the saddest things I've like read all weekend. You could run a three thirty eight, and it's just like I, I don't know if you're going to get a chance to use. It. I mean, maybe if he's doubling in the five k, ten k, this this right. puts him in position in the five k to be much more of a threat. You you would have to think, um, but that I mean that ten k. Obviously, he's shown he has the strength to be able to run pretty like closely behind um, Kip to like he did at the Sound Running Meet. Um, in the 10k but yeah I, I, it what he did was super super amazing I think Casey Neville Bar is another guy that you kind of touched on in that article and I, I mean he's such a talent that seeing him run that time was like not super surprising to me but it was really awesome just to see him get after and do it uh, for Florida State after having success with Southern Utah obviously yeah, I mean that that year at Southern Utah where he broke out, was super dynamic, got all these wins, was running fast times. Um, and I don't even know if that postseason even ended that well for him. I have to go back and double check. But this is kind of now the performance where I'm like, oh, okay, now he's got it. Now he understands kind of like how he's going to have to approach this because he was he was an All American back in 2019, mm-hmm. and now he's still stepping it up. 
Now, granted, he's going to have to continue to get better as time goes on, but you know, it's it's just one of those kind of deep years. So, absolutely. Well, so we had some other fast fifteen hundreds across the country. We saw Luis Gajalva run three thirty nine. We also saw Thomas Ratcliffe, uh, Tubby of North Carolina, and Faccioni of Wake Forest run three thirty nine. Uh, I, I mean, Ratcliffe to see we we always. I think traditionally thought of him as more of a 5k guy after his great success, uh, finishing third. And what was it? The 2018, 2019, 2019. Um, sure. 2019. Yeah. 2019, um, outdoor 5k final, but for him to run three thirty nine, I mean, we put the over and under for tubby and, and Ratcliffe at uh seven twenty seven twenty four, which was three forty two average. And boy, mm-hmm. did they just blow that out of the water. Yeah, I mean, it's it was a perfect race, though, when you think about what those two guys are capable of and also how Faccioni was going to be mm-hmm. in this race. And not that Faccioni's like, not that he can't sit and kick, but I've seen more instances where he goes with an aggressive front runner like Peter Sufer than he does than just sit back with the rest of the field. So it's not a total shock for me that Faccioni was part of this sub-340 con- like contingent and therefore pushing Ratcliffe and Tubby to 339. But you're right. I mean, this newfound 339 speed, which you would hope would be more nationally competitive this year. We don't know if that's going to be true, but I think it bodes well for the 5K. I mean, like at the very least, you wonder, okay, Ratcliffe is a 1332 kind of guy. If he can sustain this and not get injured and stay on the track, like it it should translate to a pretty solid performance. Um, I just, it's just a matter of when he does run the 5K, where is it going to be? Who is he going to beat? And to some extent, how fast is he going to run? As long as he runs fast enough, he yeah. he can be in the contender conversation. Yeah, and I think that was kind of my main takeaway too. Faccioni is kind of in the same boat too. I, I think they're going to be both more 5K guys, especially like you said in this deep 1500 year. Um, but to, to run this time has to give them great confidence about their overall speed and, and like speed endurance in a lot of ways that they can kick from far out if they need to. Um, but I, I don't know if that changes the 5K picture too much because, again, I, I I just think the distance events across the board seem unusually deep. Yeah, yeah that's a fair point. I, it's so tough to say. I, I just don't know, especially with Ratcliffe. I mean, Tubby, it's like, okay, that guy's going to run the 1500, no doubt. Yeah. Um and I think he's going to be really, like, I think he's going to be a problem. Like, I think he's probably yes. just as good as a lot of the guys we saw at Joe Walker who were in that 338 mm-hmm. range. Like, I think he's just as good. Um, but yeah, Ratcliffe is kind of like a, just, I, I just have no idea. I just don't know. Just because we've, he's been so, he's been consistently absent. And it's been a while since we've seen him run that 5K. So it's, it's a new year. It's faster overall. It's more top heavy. So we will see. And we should mention Grijalva running 339. Um, I don't think this is a surprise that he can run that kind of time, but it was good to see him hit that mark after, like you said in the article, not struggling during cross-country season, but just not running quite to the same level he was in the fall. And it seems like he's hitting that top gear again. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot to say here other than just like, you know, he's he's back in shape. He's probably not going to pursue the 15. You run 13, 16 back in December, you're going to run the yeah. 5K, regardless of what your stamina or base was back then. So it'll, it'll be in the 5K, um, but I'm, I'm largely not too invested in this recent result. Yeah. And then uh, Jonathan Davis and Morgan Bielscombe 
uh, throwing down some 341s. Uh, I think Davis might look to focus in the 15, but again, Beetle Scum is another guy, uh, another 5K, 10K guy that this speed is is a nice development. Um, but why don't we look to the women? We also saw a lot of uh, fast 1500 times across the country. Um, the first, the first race I wanted to highlight was at Alabama. Amaris Tanisma running 412. Nicole Fagan's running 418. Again, I think this falls under the category of not surprising, but good to see. And just when you take a step back and realize where Tanisma was five months ago, it, it just is mind blowing that this is just a regular occurrence for us now. It's just insane. I mean, you don't make these jumps and just get away with it. You know, like you don't. It's it's insane. Uh, running four twelve, and then us being like, "Well, just another day for her." Like it, that's insane for a girl who was just twenty sixth place at the SEC XC Championships back in the fall, and is now one of the best overall distance runners in the entire country between cross country and track. It's it's just absurd. And I, I mentioned this in our first thoughts article, but. Her rise has been so rapid, and she's still only a sophomore, and her times have have made this massive leap, and yet she's been so consistent. Mm -hmm. You'd have to think that by now, like given her relative inexperience, given her her newness, I don't even know if that's the right word, but given her newness to this level of competition and, and what the tasks are now at hand for her, you think that she'd mess up by now. You think that she'd have a poor race. You think that she would have a tactical flaw, but she doesn't. And she just continues to to produce. It's it's wildly impressive. I just don't think that you see that very often. And, and rarely do we see breakout races this significant. And then rarely do you see breakout runners run as well and as consistent as they do for as young as she is. Right. You, you expect there to be a little bit more of an ebb and flow to their season. Um, and, and we we hear uh, this in other sports a little bit. And I think it's a, a little bit overdone when, when people say like this athlete's not scared at the moment or scared of their competition, even though they've ne- maybe never been at that stage. But I, I think that's absolutely the case. She's fearless. Like it, she just looks like she's running against the same competition she always has. But now she's just going up against better people because she's faster. And it just seems like there is no difference for her, whether or not she's going up against some 415, 1500 girls, or if she's going up against 430, 1500 meter girls, she's just going to run her race and shows, uh, I mean, almost like no respect. And and I say that in the po- most positive way, she, she just goes at them as if it, they, they could be anybody. And that's a great point. And, and actually, I never really thought about it from that perspective. And, and it is true, though. Like, it's a great point. She just does not care. And I think you kind of have to be at that elite level. You really can't care. You have to right. kind of go into these races thinking, like, I'm the best. Like, I'm Ben Weissel. I ran a 342, you know. I, I won my heat. for Ben, as far as I'm concerned, you won your race. You won it all. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you came in there with a the mentality like, I'm going to win. I can win this. And you did. Um I don't know how we're tying that back to uh, Tanisima, but ultimately <laughs> what I'm getting out. at, yeah, sure. I mean, ultimately what I'm getting at though is that also, and we should know, she runs with the NCAA cross country champion. So that helps. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and Fagan's obviously, I think this is a good sign for her. Um, I think she'll likely focus in the longer distance, but another good speed development sign. Um, at the Joe Walker invite, we saw Gabrielle Jennings running 412. We also saw Joyce Camelli and Taylor Rowe running 413. Um, I, I think in our preview, we all kind of mentioned Jennings as kind of the obvious choice, and yet we all went away from her. Um, I picked Rowe. And I mean, she came through in a big way to run 413 and really just continuing her momentum from this winter season uh, and, and Camelli as well, develop, keeping keeping the momentum from her indoor championships going. Uh, I, I thought this was just a spectacular race across the board. OK, hold on a second here. I could have sworn I picked Jennings. Let me let me go back here. I'm, I'm going to try to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back here. Uh, oh, I no. did. <laughs> I didn't. Okay, you so what I Jennings. <laughs> I did. I said I specifically said, and I quote, I wanted to say Gabrielle Jennings, but I think we're in for a major performance from Notre Dame's uh Katie Wasserman, who did not even toe the line. Awesome. <laughs> um, which is just so perfect. So we'll never know if she would have won. Well, I don't think she hold on a second, let me do it real quick. No, she didn't even Yeah, so maybe really as far as I'm concerned, I'm right. You're not wrong. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not wrong. And that for not being wrong, I'm right. But, yeah, I mean, Jennings was great. I mean, it's awesome. It's crazy to think that, like, the 1500 might not even be her best event. Mm-hmm. The steeplechase is very much up there for her. Um, although, with how wide open I think the 1500 is, I think this is going to be her race. Uh, I think, more importantly, she's just beat Camelli, who's the 5K indoor champion, and Taylor Rowe, who was the runner-up at the NCAA XC Championships. Those are two strengths based athletes and in a race that was as fast as this and in a race that was probably strength based it's it's one of those things where I'm like this is probably the most impressive win for anyone this weekend at least on the women's side just based on who she was able to take down in the manner that she did yeah yeah I I couldn't agree more I I was a little worried uh, uh we hadn't seen Jennings for a little while that this might be there might be a little signs of rust but obviously, I mean, she just looked like she was in mid-season form. Um, it'll be fascinating, like you mentioned, to see her in a more tactical race and see how she does going up against some top kickers instead of these kind of strength-based uh, ladies. Yeah, and, and that's a fair point. I'm not quite as concerned about that. She does have 207 PR for 800 mm-hmm. meters. Um, but you're right. I think we really have seen her in a lot of instances where it's been strength-based, I mean, I think we would have had a better opportunity to see her in a tactical race during the indoor track season, but obviously that didn't that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so she has been, you're right, in a lot of strength-based races. I will be interested to see kind of how she runs in a tactical race that isn't the Southern Conference Championships, because right. no offense to the Southern Conference Championships, you're not the NCAA Championships. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then last week, lastly, we had Danae Rivers running 414 and Kelsey Harris running 416. Like Jennings, it was good to see Rivers um, come out of the gates strong. Um, it, she's kind of almost been a forgotten person with all these new breakout stars like Tanisma. But you kind of circle back and you're like, I, I, Rivers is still someone that should be seen as one of the favorites in middle distance events. It is tough, though, because you're right. You've seen all these new names rise, and not only are these new names here, but they're running really well. They're running stupid fast. And uh, the women's 1500 is more wide open, as we continue to say time and time again. Like, we don't even know if Jennings is going to run the 15. She mm-hmm. might, but we just don't know. 
And so for me to see Rivers get yet another top collegiate finish, I, I don't think she was the overall winner. I think she got second um, behind Amanda Eccleston, uh, who was a few yeah. seconds ahead of her. But it's just another one of those instances where I'm like, hey, another solid performance. A 414 is not bad at all. I do. I am kind of looking for like that big spark. The problem is that the Big Ten is only doing in-conference competition, mm-hmm. and I I question how for a lot of these women, like we saw Bethany Haas run thirteen forty-three for the five k, which was fifteen forty-three. Fifty? What did I say? Thirteen. <laughs> yeah, same thing, right? No. It's the same same number. Fifteen forty-three. Thank you for the catch. Um, but we we knew it was going to happen, and she mm-hmm. wasn't pushed, and it's not surprising. So. I want to see a spark from Rivers, but I also can't blame her when her best Big Ten competition is, a I mean, Kelsey Harris, like a Kelsey Harris, <laughs> like a pro, like a pro the runner that's just coming to the race. Like, I don't know who in the Big Ten right now, in the 1500 meters specifically, is is it Haas who could challenge? Like, I, I just don't know who that's going to be. I'm not on yeah. the top of my head. I'm sure I'm missing someone. Maybe in a paced race, like someone like Haas, that that might, that might be honestly the best shout. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It will be interesting to see how the Big Ten only schedule does does play out because I, I think that will that could possibly affect uh, some regional qualifying results because of that. Um, but let's move on from the fifteen hundred. We just spent like twenty five minutes talking about purely fifteen hundreds. We're gonna go through these next few events a little bit quicker. We're going to start with the 3K steeplechase. Um, Garrett, I'm going to list off a few different performances, and then you can pick which ones you want to talk about, all right? Cool. Let's do it. Hannah Steelman running 946 um, just off of her PR. Grace Beatty running 10.02 at the Joe Walker invite. Uh, Keegan Shimadi and Ryan Smeaton going head-to-head at the Joe Walker invite as well, running 8.51. And then at the Tennessee Relays, Albert Cosguy running 8.52. Which of these kind of sparks your interest? I, honestly, like it, you, it's all kind of what you expected, except for Grace Beatty. Mm-hmm. Shout out Mara's sister. Yeah, uh, TSR I, crew doing great. It's it's <laughs> impressive, man. I mean, like for Steelman, that wasn't a PR. I mean, it was a huge performance. Yeah. It was wildly impressive, but it wasn't a PR. And Shabadi and Sweeten, like, yeah, that sounds about right. And Kosky, sure, like it's it's roughly around there. But Grace Beatty just ran a really solid five k. It was, you know, I think it was around 16.06, I think. It was, you know, a really solid mark. And then to see her build off of that and then go to a 10.02 steeplechase, which right now, when you look at that, that's near the top of the leaderboard. I mean, it's a really solid mark. And it's a clear definitive leap of, you know, we've seen Grace Beattie go to the West Regional Championships and run well there, but still not really be in contention for a national qualifying spot. So she's already running significantly faster than her postseason peak previously. What happens when it's 10 weeks from now and it's the postseason or nine weeks, whatever it is, and it's the postseason and we see her starting to run her best. And for me, that was kind of like, okay, that's a really impressive progression, especially coming off that 5K. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, she's at number eight in the country right now um, with that 10.02. Uh, so absolutely putting her in contention for a national qualifying spot. I, I, I did have a question for you. Are you concerned at all that Ryan Smeaton only ran 851? Um, and, and I only say that obviously because he's run 827. He's coming off of his best cross country performance of his life, uh, finishing 26th. It, it, I think he was even seated maybe at 855. So maybe the plan wasn't really to run that quick of a time, but it, it was just odd. I, I mean, I feel like with the shape that he was in, at least, 
like 840 would have been a pretty comfortable performance for him. No, I I actually think this was the perfect performance for him. I I quite think quite the opposite. I think the fact that he beat Shamadi in a close race, I think that this recently, his cross-country results, he hasn't had probably the same amount of time to focus on his steeple technique Mm -hmm. as maybe someone like Shamadi was. And I think the fact that he has probably been focusing on the 10K distances rather than a 3K distance, as the steeplechase is, um, for him to come out, still get the win over uh, the bronze medalist from the 2019 Outdoor Championships, still come away with an 851, I I think this actually sets him up to really progress really well throughout the rest of the season peak perfectly and then produce a similar time that we saw from him last year, like the 827. I I think this was probably the best performance he probably could have had given the circumstances. Okay. No, and I I 100% hear that. I I think uh, the peaking too early, especially, I mean, we're two months away still from national, from NCAAs. Um, And that's a good thing to remember when we're seeing all these fast times that there still is a lot of season left. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the 800. We already talked about uh, Kip Sang's 147. So Finley McClear run 146. Uh, Sarah Hendrick run 201. Amber Tanner 203. Avital Petit Wilson run 204. And Brandon Miller ran 148. Um, a lot of interesting performances here. And honestly, the, the most interesting thing I think about this weekend was that we weren't able to see the Iowa State 800 guys uh, run at Joe Walker. I, I think there might have been some um, coronavirus-related issues there, um, which prevented them from competing um, against McClear and maybe against some of the other top 800 runners at Joe Walker. Because, I mean, the rest of the results aren't all that shocking. McClear running 146, not super surprising. I, I guess you could say Hendricks 201 really kind of bumped her up a level in our eyes. I mean, Hendricks 201 was super impressive. Um, it, it's a it's a fine balance, right? You you want to recognize like 201 is wildly impressive. Yep. It's an OTQ. It puts you up there truly with some of the best. And really, when you think about it, you take out Herta from the equation, who might run the 15, and you take out Mu from the equation, who might run the 400. We don't know. But let's say you take out those two, like we did during indoors, and you kind of think, all right, I mean, Aaliyah Miller's still the favorite, but Hendrick, I think, has to be in the title contender category. I don't know if maybe she's the same favorite as Aaliyah Miller, but she has to be in the title contender category. On the flip side of that, it's also, okay, well, Barton, Lori Barton has also run 201. Shafiqa Maloney has also run 201. Uh, Lindsay Butler has also run 201. Maybe Herta or maybe Moo. Maybe they do run the 800 meters. You have Avital Wilson Pertit who has run 201 before. You have Danae Rivers who could continue to be a, a massive roadblock for a handful of women. I mean, the, the 800 meters is not getting any easier. So for as impressive as that 201 is, it, it's just difficult just because we just ne- now need to see how that translates to the national stage when she's you know, racing a crowded group of elite talents. And as we saw during indoor, she was eighth at the NCAA indoor championships. Great All-American finish, but how is she going to race in a more crowded, top-heavy field? She's done extremely well soloing these efforts, which I have to see in the postseason. So I think definitely a title contender, but still a lot of questions to be answered. Uh, yeah, we've just seen a lot of women run 202 or 203 or faster this year, it, whether it was indoor or outdoors. And because of that, the, the field just is deep. And obviously, 201 does enough to kind of make you stand out 
and really put you in that title contender status, like you said. Um, but when we have Mo, who's run to like super fast times, when you have Elia Miller, who ran the race of her life at indoors to run too flat and win, I, I mean, it, it's hard to pencil or to put anybody in pen as the favorite other than really Mo, I, I, I think at this point. Uh, and so I think Hendrick's done as much as she can uh, based off of her schedule. But we really, like you said, we won't have those answers que- or those questions answered for a few more weeks. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. She's super talented. I love the breakout performance. Uh, we just, we just need a little, see how she does against some of these other women. Um, also shout out Amber Tanner. I was a mm-hmm. big fan of her during the indoor season running 203. Another woman where it's just, you know, it's so tough in this 800 field, but I think if any one of these like returning veterans who we haven't seen in a while is going to make some noise and kind of step into the spotlight, I think it's going to be Tanner. I really think she's capable of making some serious, serious noise. Um, I, I, I really think she's going to be a problem. She's she's been a veteran of the national stage too. I, yeah. I mean, we've we've talked about her for a few years, so she certainly has, has the experience. And if she has the fitness to go along with that, I, I agree, she could be a dangerous one to follow. Um, well, let's move on to the five k. Um, we saw Athanas Kyoko running thirteen twenty eight. Uh, we saw Bethany Haas running fifteen forty three. Kaylee Richards running fifteen fifty four. Jenny Baraga Barager Petrosh. 1553. I know I butchered that. I'm so sorry. Asai Rodriguez, 1341. And Ryan Shopee running 1343. A lot of really good performances to pick from. I'll let you pick. I'll let you start. Oh, boy. Um, I, as a 1500 guy, I really admired Kaylee Richards' 1554. I, I thought that was uh, one of the more underrated performances. I don't think this is going to be the event that she obviously ends up running at, at regionals or nationals, but I think it was, it, it was a really good sign to see her, the the strength that she has. And I think that'll really benefit her as she goes through the rounds at regionals. Um, we saw her go through the rounds at indoor nationals really well. And, and tactically, tactically she was amazing. Um, but I, I think this shows that she has maybe a little more strength than most of the other 1500 meters uh, runners uh, on the line at regionals. It certainly makes you feel a lot more confident that she can handle whatever race is thrown at her. Mm-hmm. As we kind of saw during the, the indoor national meet, I mean, she is truly dynamic and her cross country fitness. I think she was an all American. If I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she was. And, and it's just another one of those instances where, yeah, I mean, her, her strength is super impressive. And speaking of strength based runners, I mean, Nathanis Kiyoko running 13, 28, mm-hmm really absurdly impressive on a scale of one to 10 though how surprised are you like like one like zero like i I mean it's like i see that time and i it was kind of the same reaction i had to like seeing like when alex Masai ran his really quick indoor time from like a year ago it's like this guy's these guys are so clearly talented we've seen it on the cross course for them to go run a blazing fast 5k time when they're set up well to do so it, it's not i mean 1328 get, no, don't get me wrong that that's that is maybe a little quicker than i would have thought he had in him i was thinking 1335 or 1330 but to go under that mark is really impressive but the talent was there and i, I think that's why it doesn't make it very surprising right i mean you and i are both kind of in the same boat that he's kind of in that same alex Masai boat of being Hey, his raw fitness is some of the best in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Like truly some of the best in the entire NCAA. 
Now it's just a matter of, can he translate that to the national stage? Can he translate that to tactical races? Can he do that consistently? Can he do that in fields where someone else is going to run 1328 right next to him, right? It's it's one of those gists where he's, there's no question that he was talented enough to do this, but can he do it in a tactical race? And where, where the pacing is different and there's surges and no one does anything for 3,000 meters, like it, it's it's one of those instances. So super impressive. I just don't know if this told us anything new and it sounds like you agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, that that's why, I mean, and, and that's why I picked, I think the Richards race, because I, I look at this list and, and I'm like, this is, this is kind of what I expected. Maybe besides uh, Baraja uh, Petrash who ran 1553 and we can touch on her a second, but like Rodriguez running 1341. I think maybe Ryan Schaub, he is a little bit of a surprise, but based off his cross country season, I mean, he was, he was looking really good at times. Um, and so I don't think 1343 was out of the realm of possibility. And, and Bethany Hawes running 1543 was probably the least surprising race of the weekend. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I felt bad running like Bethany Haas. I was just like, yeah, it was, it was a great <laughs> performance, but I don't think like even anyone in Minnesota was surprised. No one should have been surprising that result. She's sober before I, uh, yeah, there's, there was nothing really to say. I feel bad because it was such a great result, but I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of those results from her this year because the Big Ten is only the Big Ten can only offer so much competition in so many weekends, and so we'll we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that about wraps it up. Is there anybody else you wanted to mention before we get out of here? No, Ben. I'm still basking in the glory of your 342. Um, <laughs> Me you know, too, I'm man. Still, <laughs> yeah. I. You know what? And we were saying. You know, if you don't run any faster, which you will. You will run faster, but even if you don't, I mean, I'm just, I live vicariously through you now, basically in terms of my own running career and success, which I've had zero of, but, um, I will continue to live vicariously through you and your performances and your races. Um, because you know, Lord knows I'm certainly not getting any faster on my end. So. And I got to shout out the rest of the TSR crew for, I, I think I heard, got more messages from all the other writers than maybe any other like people in my life. It, it, I mean, just <laughs> right away, like super pumped Strava captions out the wazoo. It, it was, it, I, I really appreciated uh, all the messages. Um, so yeah, 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 I, it was a great weekend. I, I'm very excited to, to see uh, what the rest of my season, what the rest of the season holds for, for a lot of these runners. We, we talked about all these fast times, but I have a feeling the season's only going to get better in the next few weeks. Sam tagged me in your Strava post. And of course, everyone was congratulating you. I felt like I was getting all the congrats with all the notifications that I was getting coming through my email. So really shout out living to me. vicariously. I, I mean, I'm taking this like truly to the vicarious level here. So um, shout out to everyone. Thank you for the nice congratulations. You know, congratulations for me. I felt, I felt good. So good good all right well uh, leave us a rating review on apple Podcasts. follow us on spotify um it was good to be back this week garrett talk to you about some running it's been a little bit um until next week though when i'm sure we'll have a whirlwind of news to cover i'll talk to you i'll talk to you